Hey Elevate, I hope you're enjoying this as much as we are. This next video from Clay Linkus is about effectively gaining goals through others. And to be a leader, we have to affect change. We have to reach our goals through a team. We can't do everything. So listen to Clay talk about that and the indicators of leaders that make that happen. Welcome to this session of Elevate. My name's Clay Linkus. I'm a leadership coach and national speaker with an organization that helps other organizations improve their performance and transform their culture. Today we're gonna to talk about leading others to achieve the mission. You know, here at Faith Promise, we know that our mission is to lead people into experiencing and growing their own relationship with God. But we know if we're gonna do that, we have to work with people in a way that does influence them and does help them achieve that not just for their own individual lives, but for our organization and for the departments and divisions that we lead. So if you're watching this today, the chances are is that you may lead a team of people, whether you are a volunteer leader or you are a staff leader, and you have a team of people that are responsible for helping you achieve the different outcomes and the goals that you heard us talk about maybe in other sessions. And so part of what we're gonna to do today is talk about how do you do that effectively to make sure that you are in fact changing culture, changing behavior, helping people adopt new practices uh, in a way that's ultimately honoring and respectful of those people, but at the same time moving the organization forward. One of the things that is important for all of us to understand is that when any organization, whether it is a division, a department, a ministry, uh, whatever it may be, anytime that change is happening, you have to appreciate the fact that even if that change is positive, that you'll have a certain amount of resistance. And a lot of it has to do with understanding where people are at in their own uh, journey when it comes to change management. We find that when people start their journey in a certain role, that they start that journey off in a place called unconsciously unskilled. And what that means is, is that they really don't know what they don't know. So to give, tell you what this looks like, this is that new volunteer that you're working with and they just got started today. They're excited about the opportunity and they got a smile on their face. They're eager to walk in the door and serve. But the reality is they really don't know what they don't know. And then at some point in time, they find themselves kind of uh, having the umbilical cord cut or they have they spread their wings and fly on their own and they're out there and they really move quickly from that unconsciously unskilled to consciously unskilled, meaning now that they know now what they don't know. And that's when you have the most anxiety as a volunteer, as an employee, as a leader, whatever role you find yourself in is because you now have an understanding of all the deficiencies in your skill and you know if you're gonna be successful, you've got to develop a lot of those things. Well, over time, what happens is, is that you begin to develop processes, checklists, kind of mental models about how to be successful, and you move from consciously unskilled to a place of consciously skilled, meaning that you know now what you have to do to be successful. It's not necessarily habit, but you can be successful at it because you've got these processes in place, you've got the things that you understand to do to be successful. Now, over time, eventually, what happens is you move from consciously skilled to a place of being unconsciously skilled. And this is those people, honestly, that just do things out of habit. They don't even have to think about what it takes to be successful anymore. Now, to put this in context of our conversation today, 
The reason this is important for all of us to appreciate is that when you change something, so let's say you have a team of volunteers, let's say that you have four volunteers that you're working with, one of those volunteers is unconsciously unskilled, meaning they just started with you this week. One of those volunteers is consciously unskilled, meaning they've maybe been with you for uh, maybe a couple weeks and they've got the most anxiety. One of those volunteers is consciously skilled, meaning they've probably been with you for a couple months or maybe a year. And then you've got that volunteer that's maybe been with you for four or five, maybe five or six years, and they're unconsciously skilled. When you introduce a change and you say, hey guys, starting tomorrow, we're gonna need for all of you all to do this tactic or this behavior a little bit differently than what you've been doing it because this is gonna be better for our people that come here on the weekends, better for our overall experience for folks. When you make that change as a leader, what you have to appreciate is that the person that will actually push back and resist that the most is many times that volunteer or that person on your team that has actually been with you the longest. And the reason is, is because for that person to change their behavior, they have to actually take a step backwards into being in a place of consciously unskilled and remember that that is the place that creates the most anxiety. So for that new volunteer that you just started with and you introduce change to them, it's not a big deal because they didn't know how to do the job anyway. For that first person that's been with you for just a little bit, you give them a, a, the, the, the specific expectations around what you want them to do, that's good for them because they're looking for structure as well. But for those folks that have been with you for a long time, you've got to appreciate the fact that they're going to have a lot of anxiety. Now, today's conversation is not just about those unconsciously skilled people on your team, but it's about appreciating the fact that all the people on your team are at different places in this journey. And if you're going to lead your team well, you've got to assess each one of them and help them work through those different pieces of change management. So let's talk a little bit about how do you do that successfully. The first thing is, is that you have to evaluate a, that person's current performance and their ability. Now, to move away just from jargon and um, kind of a leader ease, uh, let's just talk about what this means. Is when you have a person join your team, you've got to really look at them and assess whether or not their skill gap is an issue of skill or is it an issue of will. So meaning, do they want to be successful and they just don't necessarily know how, or is there an actual wheel gap, meaning that they're not sure they even want to do this the way that you want them to do it. And those are two different conversations that you're going to have to navigate through to help them achieve ultimately what is important for the organization, for your team, and for them. So that's the step one, just evaluating and assessing where they're at and is it really a skill or is it a wheel uh, issue. Number two is as a leader, you've got to make sure that that person understands very clear expectations. Now, we have a tendency in leadership roles to think that if we just describe, you know, kind of softly and vaguely how we want something done, that people just run with it and they'll do it exactly the way that it needs to be done. But what we find is, is that that may be okay if you're dealing with a single person who is the only person responsible for that. But if you have a team of people that needs to do that process or that tactic or that action the same way, it's important for you to make sure that every single person there has very clear expectations about the minimum level of consistency or standardization that you expect that to be done. So, you know, for instance, if you have a, a ministry, maybe it's like FP Kids or maybe it's a student ministry, and you have lots of small groups in there and you have a certain way that you want that those small groups to run, then it's important for you to make sure that people understand the minimum expectations around that. Don't just assume that people will, but be very clear around that so that, that, that you start off well in that conversation. The next step is to make sure that a person understands what right looks like. And this is different than saying, here's what I expect. 
versus saying, here's what it literally looks like. And the best way to actually do this is if you personally have the ability and the skill set to demonstrate what, it, what right looks like, that's the best way to do it. People will learn more from seeing than they will from hearing. So if they can see you or see another role model person do that behavior or that tactic the right way, that's gonna help them be successful in that much more than just assuming they're gonna figure that out on their own. Then you gotta explain the why. Now let's talk a little bit about this. We find in our work that I do professionally that there's really three different whys that you have to connect with where, when you're dealing with any person. The first one of those whys is really their heart, meaning does this change, the thing you're asking them to do, does it even resonate with their values? So if you're asking somebody to do something a little bit differently, maybe you want to, um, you know, if you're working with the worship team and you want them to show up uh, on time each week with their sheet music ready and they prepared and they're ready to play their, their, their music and their instruments, you know, is that something that you've asked them to do in a way that connects with their heart and is something that they believe in and something that's important to them? And making sure that that's part of who their values are. So that's one step is around the heart piece and making sure that it resonates with them. The second part is explaining the head piece. And that is simply just helping them understand that, you know, if we do this this way, it's gonna help us achieve better outcomes. It's gonna help us achieve better results. It's more of that, if we do X, we'll get Y. And so that's that head piece. And then the last piece is the what's in it for them or the WIFM or what's in it for me. And that's that really conversation about, you know what, even if this doesn't connect with your heart, even if it doesn't connect with your head, let's talk about why this will just make your job as a volunteer or as a staff member easier. If you just do it this way, it's going to really help you be more successful. It's going to really help you have a much easier day, a much better life, and so forth and so on. So that's the three whys that you have to really unpack for whoever you're talking to to really make them understand why we're actually going through this change. The next step on this, this series of, uh, of sequence is reward and recognize the right behavior. I find honestly that this is probably one of the biggest gaps in leadership around the country, is that when I work with leaders, they may do the first things we've talked about well, but what they do is, is that when they don't actually focus on reward and recognition, they wait till there's gaps in performance and then address those gaps. So if you will actually spend more time rewarding and recognizing when things are being done right, what you'll find is, is that you not only get more of that behavior from that person or persons, but when other people see you recognizing that, they will actually do more of it as well. What gets recognized gets repeated, and so you wanna make sure that's a big part of your focus as a leader. Now, if you feel like you've been rewarded and recognizing the right behavior, and you're still not necessarily getting what you expect, the next thing is for you to have what's called soft correction tactic conversation. So this is when you've got that volunteer, you've got that person you're working with, and maybe they're just not quite doing it the way that you hoped that they would. And a good way to approach that is just with a conversation, just say, hey, I need your help, or can you help make sure I'm communicating effectively to you? And really just having a dialogue with them about closing that gap around what you see as their performance and what your expectations is as their leader. If you still see that not causing the change that you want, you're gonna to have to progress the conversation to more of what we call a support coach support model. And what that looks like is if you approach the person and you know that there's still this gap there, you're going to let them know the things that they're doing well. So tell them some of the good qualities that they have, the good attributes, 
but you're gonna be clear in helping them understand that there's a gap that you wanna help them with in their performance and being clear about what that gap is. But then ending the conversation with reaffirming who they are, the value that they bring to your team and your organization, it's kind of that classic Oreo cookie conversation that many of us have heard about. Now that's not appropriate for every single meeting that you have or dialogue you have with a person, but in this sequence it is. And so that's an important part of this journey as well. Now, let's say you've done all this and still you've got this gap in performance and you're really trying to figure out how to close that. The last step is really using what we call a desk model conversation. It's D-E-S-K and it stands for describe, evaluate, show, and know. And the way that this works is it's a really tough and difficult conversation to have, but it simply is describing to the person the gaps in their performance. It's evaluating how you feel about it. So letting them know that it is showing them what you expect from them and showing them you know, what right looks like, reminding them that. But then the last part of that may be the most important piece and that's knowing the consequences. It's knowing the fact that if this gap in performance still continues, that at a certain point in time, you're gonna have to either uh, make some tough decisions and maybe they're, not, maybe they're not the right fit for your team. And even if it's a volunteer, sometimes I think we make the mistake of thinking that because somebody's a volunteer that we have to lower our standards. But we find a lot of times that even with volunteers that one of the best things you can do is actually raise the standards, not lower them. And if you're still having struggles with that, it could be that that person or persons that's really struggling with the changes you're trying to implement, they may not be the best fit for your team and it may be a good season for them to transition somewhere else. And those are all appropriate conversations. So if you follow this model, this will really help you in leading other people and helping develop them around their skills, their talents. And lastly, I'll leave you with this quote. Um, I like this quote from Pastor Chris a couple weeks ago that he said that faith promise, we afflict the comfortable so that we can comfort the afflicted. And I share this with you because if you go back to the change management um, model that I was describing earlier, people get really comfortable in organizations that don't change. So when you don't change, you don't grow, you find yourself in that place of being consciously skilled and, or unconsciously skilled, where you're just doing things out of habit. But if we're gonna to continue to grow, if we're gonna to continue to change, we have to be comfortable being uncomfortable because part of what that means is that we're willing to do that so that ultimately we can continue to expand our mission here at Faith Promise and comfort those afflicted people that we care for here in this region. Thank you for your time today.